edition of Mr. Nice Guy on Ben Slowey. And I am joined uh, tonight by a pop singer-songwriter uh, who has dropped three singles uh, in the last year. Uh, they are in this order, City Without Lights, All I've Ever Known, and 21 Days. Um, he's uh, working on uh, new stuff, uh, and I'm excited to talk to him about his passions, artistry, and why he does what he does. Uh, he appeared on the scene, and uh, we've been covering his music. So, uh, yeah, thank you very much, Oliver Lowe, for joining me tonight. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. How are you doing? Doing good. Just got off of work. Um, slammed some uh, Luminati's pizza, and here I am. Man, good choice. Yeah, right? uh, I'm partial Luminati's because uh, I'm from the Chicago area, and uh, that was always a like a, a joy of coming back home. You lived right around the corner from Illuminati's and yeah. uh, we used to get like the meat crust pizza they have. It's it's fire, man. I'm, I'm That's one thing I do miss about living in Illinois. For sure. So. Yeah, can't go wrong with uh, Chicago style. Where's there Illuminati's around here? There is one on Port Washington. Uh, if you go towards Brown Deer. Ah. Oh, well, I never go over there, so no wonder I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think they're opening a few other ones, though, in the area. So there's there's probably going to be more in the, the very near future. Oh, there fucking better be. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we got to touch up our pizza game. I mean, I yeah. love Ian's. I do love Ian's, but and I love Wisconsin Pizza Authority. But, you know, some good Chicago pizzas. That's what Milwaukee needs. Exactly. Uh, what do you do for work? Uh, I am a sales manager at a tech company. So it's uh, I like to balance my work work life with my play life uh, very well. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, I mean that's what I'm figuring out right now too. I'm trying to make work play, if that makes sense. You know, like that's the goal. That's absolutely the goal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it definitely is. Um, did, did you have a long day today? Yeah, I've been at work since about 10 a.m. Uh, ran some errands this morning, so. I've been up since about five or so. Uh, so it's, it's been a day. <laughs> Damn, dude. I, uh, I didn't even get up today until like 1030. So oh, okay. <laughs> I miss those days. I definitely miss those days. Yeah. Well, I couldn't, um, I couldn't really sleep last night. I got the vaccine yesterday and it uh, kind of made me like feel like I was fatigued. Like I was really tired, sure. but I couldn't really sleep. Um, which is probably just, you know, a side effect of my body getting used to it, you know? Totally. That That's a sign that it's working. So hey, that's something good. Cheers to that. So uh, Oliver Lowe, uh, what we talk about in Mr. Nice Guy, we talk love and fear, passion and creativity. And so I can't remember exactly when it was I like discovered you, but it was it was completely out of like, scrolling on Facebook. Um, I don't know if I, we had like a mutual friend or something that like shared some, some of your stuff or something, but I'm like, oh, singer songwriter. Well, I love finding new artists. So uh, let's see what this guy's all about. Um, and uh, yeah, we featured your, your songs, uh, your video uh, to, I think that was 21 days. 21 days, yeah. Yeah, and it was quite an elaborate video um i'm sure cleaning up after that video really sucked 
Uh, not as much as you thought. It, it's actually, it was actually a very, very uh, fun, um, freezing night. It was a freezing October night um, where I was like shivering and then like next to burning fire, <laughs> like burning piano. So it was like super hot. And then I'd move over in the corner and be freezing again. Uh, so outside of that, the, the cleanup and the, the setup and all that was actually pretty smooth. It was me and two friends, uh, Crystal and Seth. Um, and it was just the three of us that basically did the entire thing together. Uh, we had some friends help with the, the piano and the fire and whatnot, but in terms of shooting, editing, uh, coming up with the idea and everything, it was just the three of us. And it felt like we were just like hanging out and seeing what would work. And, uh, we decided to light a piano on fire. So that happened. <laughs> It caught me off guard, like holy shit! Like <laughs> that was um, that was the goal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, where where did you where did you film that? Um, it was over on Mill Road, so in Milwaukee. Um, but we we got the piano from um, the director's friend had a uh, like a junk removal company, and they're like, yeah, we we take pianos and and just weird stuff from people's homes all the time and have to toss it. Um, and she happened to call him up one day and she's like, you don't happen to have any pianos laying around, do you? Uh, he's like, yeah, why? And she's like, can we light one on fire in your backyard? Uh, so that's, that's basically what happened. So we shot the first half of the video um, actually at Esterbrook Park. Oh, cool. um, and then uh, shot the latter half um, basically in this dude's backyard uh, on Mill Road and had so much fun doing it. <laughs> Oh yeah, dude. Well, I'm, I'm glad it was a smooth, controlled burn. Yes. Uh, oh, burning shit is real fun. It, it's uh, it's pretty underrated. Um, yeah. I used to love fireworks as a kid, so I know how that is. Um, so it was just like a spare piano that like someone was getting rid of, kind of. Yeah, or you know, it was probably a scenario of like an old person who you know lived in the house or something. They just had to get rid of it, and um, yeah, I mean, it worked out. It was. Um, it was already like kind of decayed a little bit from just removing it. So like the, the keys didn't fully work and stuff like that. So it uh, wasn't fully playable, but that's okay. Cause I, you know, we, we played around with angles and whatnot and made it work, but uh, still had like embers flying yeah. off the piano at me while I was trying to play it. So that was, <laughs> that was fun to dodge. I had, uh, yeah. had the director off in the corner being like, are you okay? Are you sure you're, you're okay? like, you're like, Oh, Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. The, uh, there's an outtake of the video that I'll, I'll post online someday soon, but um, I'm playing and the piano's not even on fire at this point. And I'm getting so into it that I just fall off the stool and just completely biff it onto the ground. Uh, and I'm like, I'm so glad the piano wasn't on fire at that point because that could have ended differently. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, that was a lot of fun. We had that video on the writer's room. I don't know if you saw that. I did. Yeah, absolutely. You guys were uh, concerned for the, the forest safety. So <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Happy to report nothing was burned down. Oh, good. Good. Yeah. I, um, <clears throat> yeah, because there's a lot of, uh, you were like just in nature, you know, so, yeah. uh, but um, glad you guys knew what you were doing and everything. Definitely. Um, so, uh, so Oliver, aka Amir. Yeah. Um, uh, you, so are you from Milwaukee? Yeah, born and raised, born and raised in Milwaukee. Um, I think that's that's like the big question too, because like Oliver Lowe didn't exist before a year ago, uh, but I've been on the Milwaukee music scene for about 12 or 13 years now uh, mm -hmm. in different forms and fashions. So um, yeah, Milwaukee's always been home. Uh, I hope to 
always call it home probably <laughs> don't don't intend on leaving so uh, it's a great city no reason to leave for sure yeah. um so yeah uh i guess um i'd love to start with just uh how when you were little uh when you were younger uh growing up uh what was the kind of music like you grew up on um what role did it play in your life and uh, how did it eventually lead to becoming a creative outlet for yourself yeah, so um, I have a sister who's about eight or nine years older than me, and I know a lot of uh, a lot of people get their musical taste from their parents, right? Like they'll be playing the Beatles at home or the the Stones. My parents never really played music at home, uh, but of course, growing up, I had a sister who was like in high school when I was in like grade school. Uh, so she'd be playing like boy bands and the Backstreet Boys and Britney Spears and uh, all the the pop music of the day, and eventually over time. Uh, that turned into like the 90s alternative, right? So like uh, a lot of Goo Goo Dolls, Red Hot Chili Peppers and Foo Fighters. Um, All right, you got, got some yeah, of that there. Right, exactly. Um, and I became obsessed. I mean, like, uh, I think I was eight or nine years old when my sister first took me to a concert. And uh, outside of 2020, I don't think there's been a year of my life where I haven't gone to a concert every like couple weeks or something. Um, she really started me on a, on a path of just being obsessed with music. And um, I'm more, I, I'd say more of a fan of music than I even am a musician. Like I, I just love intaking music, finding new artists, uh, going to shows. And even if I don't know the artist, just checking out what they, what they, what kind of show they put on. Um, so yeah, def definitely a lot of like nineties, alternative, early two thousands um, was sort of the, the jam back at home. Oh yeah. Uh, were you into 311? My sister was a bigger 311 fan than I was, but I definitely know uh, a lot of 311 songs. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think they're an underrated nineties band. Yes, um, for sure. Yeah. Um, I listened to a lot of like grunge and like Nirvana in middle school and high school, but uh, I also really liked the Smashing Pumpkins, but like, my freshman year of college, I was really into 90s music. Uh, that was like my favorite decade of music at the time. Yeah. Um, I also, I especially really loved finding like all of like the, like the bands with like the one hit, you know, that would oh, come absolutely. on like alternative radio. Yeah. Chumbawamba and Tub Thumping or like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Or uh, um, like Len. Yeah. Or Steal My Lot. Sunshine. <laughs> yeah, live, Everclear, and like oh, Candlebox yeah. Box and all that. Yeah, it was just so many, like, so many to like uh, just grab from, like, oh, yeah. especially when you're just going down the rabbit hole on Spotify. Yeah, I feel like one hit wonders aren't a thing as much as they used to be. Like, right now, we're like, oh, that artist just put out like nine number one hit singles last year or whatever. And now, like, there, you don't get that like random smorgasbord of, of, music from people dude yeah there's not a whole yeah like there will sometimes there'll be like a one hit wonder every once in a while where it's like yeah. oh that one song like got played everywhere by i love mcconan you know but then yeah. i don't i haven't heard like anything from him since or shit like that like right in terms of like uh a lot of diy artists it's kind of a matter of like if you can land your songs on like a placement oh, yeah. or like 
a playlist and that's kind of like your one hit wonder if you will yeah make it on a an episode of the oc or <laughs> crazy anatomy or something yeah yeah or the uh clorox commercial yes yes uh keegan call <laughs> yeah 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 i love we i just had him on so uh, yeah watched it was awesome yeah that was he's a he's a really cool dude um i yeah i guess tell me a little bit about like when you started playing yourself and how you'd start getting immersed in it yeah so um since i went to so many shows uh just in Milwaukee and Chicago and whatnot, you know, when I was growing up, I eventually became super enamored with the Milwaukee music scene. Um, and there were some, like, it's almost, it almost happened backwards for me, right? Like a lot of, a lot of artists now are like, oh, I want to be an artist. And then they just like come into the music scene. I wanted to be a part of the Milwaukee music scene um, just because I loved it so much. So uh, growing up, there were bands like the Guffs and Northern Room and Fever Merlin. Um, and even the Chicago area, area, like Company of Thieves or Lucky Boys Confusion, that I was just obsessed with. Um, and I eventually uh, went to so many Northern Room shows that they were like, do you just want to like join our street team and be one of our marketing guys? And I was like 15 or 16. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. Like, do I get into shows for free? <laughs> like, what does this mean? Um, so I did that for a while. And uh couple of years and and they eventually broke up and it was uh it was like going through a breakup myself like having one of my favorite bands that I got to work for um disband like it it like destroyed part of my soul so I was like all right I need to do this again for someone else I feel so I found another band called uh We the Living um who toured a ton and they eventually became Fox uh PHOX oh yeah um that you know they're in madison now i think aren't they yeah well they're like kind of a band kind of not a band uh they're like on hiatus um but i was uh part of their marketing team for a long time and uh they broke up but didn't break up but broke up and like uh i just kept getting like sick of being disappointed of, of all these bands that i looked up to and wanted like to to like ride into the sunset with just break up and i'm like i need to do this myself like grieving um, the loss of like, yeah, yeah of a was, friend or something. Yeah. I was like, I can't depend on the, these other people to like, like, I'm, I'm going to do this myself. <laughs> so I, uh, the whole time I'm, you know, I'm going to EWM. Uh, I was a student for in the business school and um, every Tuesday over at the Miramar theater, they were doing open mic night. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to start writing songs. I'm just going to head over there and whatever. And some, some nights you'd have three people in the audience. Sometimes you'd have 30. Uh, and I'd just start playing songs and whatnot. So, um, over time I, I started a band, uh, called the Siege Perilous with, um, a couple of my friends, uh, Peter, Troy, and Andy. And it started out just like recording songs in a, in a basement or whatever. Mm. Um, and the first show we played, which actually was at the Miramar theater, um, Eric Labrosse from Cherry Pit Studios happened to be there. Uh, and he was, I think he was there for like one of his, his metal bands that was playing the same night or something. And he's like, you guys aren't the kind of music I record, but I would love to record you. Um, so we couldn't pass that up. And it's funny that we're having this conversation today because 10 years ago on this day, uh, I went and recorded my vocal, uh, vocal tracks for our first single, 
Um, oh shit! Dope. Today on the day, so crazy how, how much has happened in ten years. But um, and it just kind of took off from there. Like I, it was such a wild ride. Uh, I was in the Siege Perilous for about I think it was from two thousand eight to two thousand fourteen. Um, we played festivals and bars and college campuses, and I think the coolest part was like just networking and getting to know like like I knew the Milwaukee music scene as artists but I didn't know them as people um so like before when we were talking about Keegan um Vinyl Theater before they were Vinyl Theater uh was a band called Little Bribes uh back when he was living in Colorado and like our histories are totally intertwined because his uh, original drummer Nick uh from Vinyl Theater originally auditioned to be the bassist in my band (laughs) so it's like you know the, the Milwaukee scene is so like interconnected yeah, very um good. but you know I, I got to meet cool people like him and the the guys from cold spring drive and cassie betcher and all these musicians that are like still still somewhat active um even after all these years so we had a ton of fun um we you mentioned placements and sync licensing before we got to do a ton of that uh just in random commercials and tv shows and it's always fun to, to get a, a check for $11 for a song you wrote 10 years ago. And you're like, <laughs> hey, that's buying my lunch today. Like, that's right. Kind of cool. Oh, yeah. Right. We're uh, we're going to Subway. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Can't go wrong. So um, after after a couple of years, so like I said, we, we were doing this for about five or six years. And uh, I decided to go back to grad school. Um the other, like we were all kind of in different, different places. One of us was still living in Whitewater. Uh, and I think it, it just took its toll on us. So eventually broke up. Um, and I didn't do music for three years after that. Like I just focused on school, focused on work. Um, and I, I missed it, but it was also sort of like cathartic to, to just not have to like think about what show I'm playing next or like the pressure of being in a band, I guess. Um, so after about three years, I, I, uh, started a project called Off Island Ghost with one of my buddies, uh, who's a multi-instrumentalist, Lyle, and super, super talented, self-produced. We like just wrote songs for the, for the fun of it. We never played a show, um, never made it out of the basement, just like threw a few songs on iTunes and, and, uh. It was a passion project. Exactly. Yeah. And there, there was no pressure whatsoever, but then I started to miss like the show aspect and, and, you know, the fun marketing and, and all that good that goes into that. So um, that kind of faded away too, uh, just due to work and, and stuff like that. So um, that was like my musical history up until 2020, basically. Damn. Wow. Okay. I appreciate the, uh, the, the uh, walkthrough. Yeah. Uh, the different uh, projects and stuff. Um, I'm always interested in like, yeah, like what the music scene was like, you know, in uh, past decades or like even just 10 years ago. Um, I didn't come here until 2014. Sure. Um, But I didn't get into the music scene until like late 2018, early 2019 or so. Um, So it was a lot to learn very fast. Yeah, I can imagine lot going on around here um so uh tell me about how uh like how oliver low would manifest like uh yeah, yeah. Sure. 
So um, I know you've, you've interviewed a lot of artists probably over the last year that have said like the pandemic made them do something, right? Like the <laughs> pandemic has been the catalyst for so much music. Um, but for me, it wasn't even the music itself. It was like the permission to be a musician again. Um, so I think it was like, it was actually pretty early on in the pandemic. I would say it was probably late March or early April when I was just like, sitting in my apartment completely alone like alone with my thoughts and I was like I'm turning 30 this year if like if I'm not doing it now when am I going to do it am I going to start doing music again when I'm like 65 um it became this moment of like if I'm going to do it I need to do something about it now um but I don't trust my own production skills <laughs> uh you know I'm, I can poke around on like garage band and stuff like that um, and I'm, I always tell people like, I'm not a guitarist. I'm a singer songwriter who can play guitar. There's a huge difference there. Uh, I can't shred or solo or anything like that, but I can, I can poke around and get, get some chords out. So, um, I think the, the obstacle in front of me was like, all right, if I'm going to do this, how do I actually make the music? I can write the songs, but how do I get it out there? So, um, I think it was about in high school or, or early at UWM. Uh, there was a band called the Damwells, who um, I just idolized, like the the songwriting, the vocals. Uh, it was like sad boy 90s music. It was everything I ever wanted in a song. <laughs> and uh, the the lead singer, Alex Deason, um, was very active on Instagram and stuff. And, and when I sort of had this like moment of of self-reflection with myself during the pandemic I was like that's the kind of music I want to I want to make that's the kind of music I want to write what would happen if I just straight up messaged him on Instagram like this is a dude that has worked with like Justin Bieber and the Dixie Chicks and like Robin Thicke what's some random kid in Milwaukee gonna do but I was like you know what I'm gonna do it yeah and fuck it yeah exactly like what do I have to lose uh the world's ending so might as well <laughs> pretty much yeah so uh, I think it was a matter of like two or three hours. He's like, yo, send something my way. Let's see. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I was like, what am I doing? Like, I totally regret this. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like the moment that you're like, this could actually happen. Uh, send something to him. And I think a day or two later, he's like, yeah, I've had this in my head for the last couple of days. Uh, when are you free to talk? Well, let's make this happen. Oh, oh, what did you send him? Um, City Without Lights, the oh, first thing. So I, I basically wrote that song. Um, I think it was like the week or two into the pandemic, like really, really early uh, or late, late March, early February, or February, April. Um, and I live in like a, a very busy part of Milwaukee where there's constantly cars and traffic and, and lights and sounds. And that week it was like eerie. Oh, yeah. how silent it was uh and that's where city of light city without lights uh came from because quite was, literally literally yeah it was it was just that feeling of like everything shut down um no cars on the road yeah it's so <laughs> creepy yeah it was apocalyptic for sure i mean we all i mean i'm sure we all like went outside and took pictures of like the empty streets and stuff yep. like, the empty supermarket uh aisles and stuff it was crazy but yeah um I was just absolutely ecstatic that he he responded so positively to the song and um 
he's been so incredibly supportive. I've done all three songs with Alex. Um, and again, it, it's just crazy to me that like, this is a dude that in high school, me and my friends would be like blasting his songs, driving down Lake Drive. Uh, and now I just like pick up the phone and call him and we chat about like my next single or whatever. <laughs> it's, it's, it's so it's humbling. So, it's crazy. Yeah, that's gotta be pretty surreal. Like where you get to just interact with him as just a guy, you know? Yeah, right. That's why I love doing this show because what once again, like there's so many artists I've been able to have on the show that I just I found just, you know, from the music scene here and I have their shit on repeat like all the time. Like I really dig their music and stuff. And then I just get to like talk to them just casually, like, hey, what's going on? What are you what are you doing? You know, it's it's pretty awesome when you can like, you know just put your influences, uh, your idols even, just like on that same personal level. Absolutely. And it's always great when like, they don't turn out to be jerks either, right? Like- When they give you a uh, chance, yeah. Yeah, because I've, I've had that moment too of like, you know, the, the, the band member or whatever that you really look up to and you meet them and they don't even give you the time of day or you're like, oh, I'm your biggest fan. Like, this is, this is incredible. And they're like, hey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that does suck too. Damn. Well, that that gives a lot of context to City Without Lights. Um, tell me about uh, All I've Ever Known. Yeah, that was actually, um, so I mentioned the, the first band I was in, the Siege Perilous. Uh, I wrote All I've Ever Known for that band, and we, we ended up never using it. Um, I think we played it once at, I think it was Shank Hall. Um, oh. We played it, uh, I don't remember who we were opening up for, but I think it was the Dave Fitzpatrick band we were opening up for that night. Um, it sounds like a band that would play at Shane Hall. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it never really, like, we all kind of liked it, but the, the chorus wasn't really there. And the, the pre-chorus was really a verse and like the, it, it was kind of messy. Um, so during that phase of, of me writing, I, I sent that and two other songs to Alex and was like, all right, just pick one. Like, I want to hear what you think of, of what should be the next song. And he's like, all I've ever known. I hear it in my head. Let's, let's do this. He's like, this is going to be a straight mid nineties rocker. <laughs> like we got this. And I was like, that's not what I expected, but let's do it. Uh, it was always like an acoustic ballad with a, a female uh, duet in my head. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's, it's a straight up heartbreak song. And, and I think, you know, um, I love duality. I think uh, one of the coolest parts of that song is like, it's a really upbeat, summery, like guitar driven song with incredibly depressing lyrics. <laughs> um, and I love bands that do that. Like Death Cab for Cutie does that. They have some like- Yeah, you've got uh, up there. Yep. Uh, they, <laughs> it's like I diagrammed my conversations <laughs> yeah, through yeah. vinyl. <laughs> yeah. um, but like they have super upbeat music, but you're like, you read the lyrics and you're like, what are they saying? Like, this is so sad. And I think that's kind of cool. And um, I, I always think album. about, I always yeah, think but... about pumped up kicks. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. Like, it's so song. cheer, cheerful and sweet, like melody, but like, it's pretty fucked up song. Sure. Um, I, but yeah, no, I, I really love that duality a lot too. I look for that in a lot of pop music. Yeah. So that was, that was just like a, a fun one where, um, cause sometimes you can get really lost in like production, right? Like you can, you can spend weeks and weeks and weeks just trying to like get it right. 
Um, and with all I've ever known, I was like, I just kind of wanted to sound live. I wanted to sound like you just went to Shank Hall and you heard a band playing on stage and that was the recording of it. Um, because I feel like, you know, some pop music to a point now is like, it's so overproduced where you're like, it, how authentic is it anymore? And um, that's not me judging, judging the music. It's just, I think it, just production choices and, and stylistic choices. And I know for me, like, I don't, I don't want to sound like I'm coming out of uh, Pro Tools all the time. Um, yeah. I don't know. There's, like there's you made this specifically for being circulated on the radio. Like, yeah, exactly. Every hour. Yeah. Right. Like I, I wrote a song that I knew in a million years wouldn't hit at the radio and that's fine. Like it still makes me happy. So yeah, totally right on. Um, and then uh, 21 days. Uh, this is a, it's a piano song. Mm-hmm. Um, it definitely like uh, builds a lot of uh, inertia um, as it, as it moves. Uh, yeah. And that culminates really well with the concept of the video. Um, so tell me about where this song came from. Yeah. Um, so structurally, this song actually uh, started the exact opposite of the way that you just described. It was uh, just me on an acoustic guitar, uh, and it was supposed to be this like quick, like two and a half minute song. I was like, you know, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, we're done. Um, and lyrically where it started, it's, it's you know, whether it's online dating or, or um, meeting someone at a bar or whatnot, like everyone has had that feeling of in the moment that you meet someone new, you like imagine the rest of your life with them of like, Oh what yeah. Gonna be like, right. You do like, that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, you look back and you're like, I, I knew them for like 10 minutes. Why was I so obsessed? Or why was I like, um, I always say like, you're grieving longer than the length of the relationship itself. <laughs> like the, the grief process is longer. So it's a song about grief. Um, and that's, that's why the, the last line of the chorus is uh, fearless is just saying your name on the plane ride home. Like fearless doesn't have to be this huge, brave jumping out of a plane thing. Like it can just be something as simple as like forcing yourself to, to remember someone or say their name and trying to like get past that hurt, even though for them, that hurt probably doesn't even exist. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, where like the other person just has no capacity of like, just how that little interaction like impacted you or just how much like context you put into it and shit. Yeah. Right. Just like the, uh, the amount of hours you clock (laughs) thinking about and and mulling over it and like getting over something that when you look back, you're like, it wasn't even there. Like I I imagined the whole thing or whatnot, or did I imagine the whole thing? Then, then you get really dark, right? Then you, then you go down a whole other rabbit hole of like, how much of this did I make up? Um, so yeah, it was, it was a really fun song to write. Um, the reason it changed so much was I, I sent it to Alex. He, he really liked it. And then one day he called me and he's like, all right, don't be mad at me, but like, what if this song had six different choruses? <laughs> and I was like, uh, excuse me. And he's like, what if it just kept building? And I was like, okay, I can see that. And what if it had a breakdown at the end? He's like, no, no, no. I think just the six choruses, but then we threw in the breakdown and it worked and I, we just had fun with it. It was, it was a great time. Oh, good. Dope. Um, yeah. I, I like that. Like, you know, it's always validating when you hear someone else be like, you know, that feeling where, you meet someone and you imagine your whole life with them. Like, 
No, that that's something I've run into on a number of times, and yeah. it's just it's it's such a like goofy process slash concept. Like it's so absurd. Yeah. But but yeah, like it just goes to show you you never know how you might impact somebody on such a like core level where the energy of the universe just feels so right you know yeah exactly yeah and it's it's like you know with this song too i kind of have like a a songwriting i don't know if you want to call it a mantra or like a a guide i hold myself to of like i don't want to say anything in my songs that has been said a million times before i don't want to say something that can easily be written by the guy down the street um I want to come across as authentic or as like me as possible. Um, So like, yeah, I can pick up a guitar and write a breakup song in five minutes, but uh, writing a breakup song from that angle of like, you know, how how many songs do you know that are about that moment of realizing that you've cared so much more than they've ever cared or, or, you know, you've just imagined your whole life with them. So like, I try to find these little pockets um, of like, what hasn't been done? What hasn't been said yet? And that's tough because there's a lot of songs out there. Um, but again, it it's just, just comes down to being as authentic as possible. The unsaid commonalities, if you will. Ooh, I like that. I like that. I I like that. I like that too. I'm proud Trade of Trademark it. Trademark yeah, it. I will. I will. Um, right on. Uh, I didn't ask you before. Uh, where'd the name Oliver Lowe come from? Yeah. Um, so my real name is... Uh, Amir Hamizadeh, which if you tell your friend to look up Amir Hamizadeh on Spotify real quick, they'll go, what? <laughs> um, so I realized very quickly that my name is not marketable and that's okay. Um, and at first I was like, am I just like shying away from using my real name just because like, it's not super common or like, uh, I had this like internal struggle of like, am I doing the right thing for the right reasons? And then I started researching other artists that like, did use pseudonyms or, or completely different names and um i think the one that caught me was tim mcgraw his real name is like samuel smith and i'm like all right if he can do it whatever i'm i'm just gonna do it um and at first i started toying with weird ones like not lady gaga but like stuff like that where it was just kind of like off the cuff and um a little dramatic and and nothing really stuck mm-hmm. and uh, my nerd nerdiness is about to come out, but I'm a huge Harry Potter fan. And I wanted like some sort of Harry Potter tie into it. Uh, and Oliver Wood in the books uh, is a very minor character where um, like, I'm not naming myself like Albus Dumbledore or something super obvious. Yeah. Uh, but I was like, I was like, all right, Oliver, the, I, I can jive with Oliver. Um, and then I needed a last name. So I literally opened iTunes, hit shuffle, and just kept clicking next until a song title appeared, and it was Low by the Foo Fighters. And I was like, Oliver Low, Okay, that, that kind of works. Um, kind of has like a melancholy vibe to it, which my songs are kind of melancholy. Yeah. And it achieves the purpose of being shorter than Amir Hamizadeh, so it works. <laughs> Instead of playing Quidditch, you're about to take the stage yeah exactly yeah nice yeah <laughs> yeah you know felt bad after oliver wood got hit by the bludger dude he didn't deserve that he didn't deserve it he's <laughs> no. better than that 
Yeah, for sure. Um, well, that said, uh, so I did actually see your post about how today is the anniversary of like when you first went to go record a song. And uh, you mentioned in that post that you're working on your 46th song you've ever been a uh, part of. So yeah. that being said, uh, I would love to hear a little bit about what you have in store and uh, yeah, what are you up to? Absolutely. Um, so song 45 uh, is already written, recorded, and ready to go. Um, so I haven't released it yet. Uh, I, after I released 21 Days in the music video and everything, I kind of wanted to take a, a bit of a breather uh, publicly just because I was like, I don't want to be the guy who just puts out a new single every three weeks or whatever. Because um, I don't want people to get bored or whatever, you know. So I, I wanted to take a couple months to, to regroup. Um, so that song is called uh, Your Disaster, and I'm super excited about it. It's um, probably the most vulnerable I've ever gotten in a song, and it's it's not even a heartbreak song, <laughs> which is new for me. Um, it's it's a letter to like myself. It's a letter to my anxiety. It's a letter to my uh, all the voices that tell me that I can't uh, can't do something or I'm not good enough to do something. So um, I'm really excited to release that one. Uh, I think something kind of cool about this. So when I first met up with um, Alex to, to distantly record these songs, because we're doing this all literally over email. Uh, I've never even met the guy that I'm doing all Where these is he songs. Located? He's in LA. Oh yeah. He's in LA. So um, other than like FaceTime calls in the studio and, and uh, emails and, and calls back and forth, like we've never met, but he's gotten, uh, this guy named Why Not Jansveld to do all my mastering for all my songs. And um, Why Not is actually a touring musician for a ton of bands. So he's worked with like Sarah Bareilles and Lana Del Rey and uh, a lot of like 90s bands like Vertical Horizon and The Wallflowers and stuff. So uh, this guy's been been mastering my songs. And for uh, song 45, uh, Your, Your Disaster, um, Alex was like, you know, could I get him to play on your track? And I was like, why are you asking me? <laughs> like, absolutely. Oh my God. Uh, this guy's like a, a music legend. So he recorded this super pretty uh, string part, which really, I feel like um, just gave the song like what I didn't even know it needed. Uh, so it's super vulnerable, super um, just delicate. I'm really excited to, to release that one. And then um, yeah, song 46 uh, is called Fool's Gold. I am like done writing it, but not done. I'm in that like awkward rewrite uh, phase right now where I'll do a vocal take and I'm like, I don't know if that word totally fits. Let me let me try like six other words there. Um, but that one's going to be a complete opposite and it's upbeat. Uh, at least for now, who knows what what happens once we we actually start digging into it. But for now, it's it's more of an upbeat, um, again, kind of breakup song. But it's it's the you break up with someone and you wonder what they haven't told you the whole time, right? Like maybe you're with them for a couple of years and you're like, I don't know if all those stories add up. Wait, yeah. what what have I been missing? How how much of this was real? Uh, so Fool's Gold kind of plays into the, the title there. But um, yeah, I, I laid down the bare bones structure of the song yesterday um, on my iPad and 
been laying down some vocal tracks for it today and uh super excited to get started on it very exciting man uh that's awesome uh looking forward to it um <clears throat> send it my way once it's once yeah, it's cool. coming out um yeah dude uh really appreciate you coming on the show tonight and um yeah i i think uh you have some great sensibilities i think that your your this passion for music and how immersed in it you are is very uh reflected in just how your songs have been structured and how they've uh and with the production and craft some really uh solid songs and i'm uh, looking I forward to that. the direction you keep going yeah thank you it means a lot thank Hell you yeah. so much for having me on dude you bet uh as we close out i ask everyone the same two questions uh the first is uh amir what keeps you up at night Ooh, that is a great question um the last few nights it's been uh the spider that's somewhere in my apartment <laughs> oh man that would one of the worst yeah, that would petrify me I, I wouldn't be able to sleep either. it is <laughs> it is somewhere i i saw it and i felt it and i don't know where it is <laughs> oh man i'd move i would I just turn my lease out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, on a more serious note um i think the the, the thing as a musician that keeps me up at night is like um You, you start to toe that line be, between like, where is it just a hobby and where do you take it more seriously? And I feel like um, early in my, my music career, you know, whatever you want to call it, like I took it really seriously and then didn't for a while. And now I'm sort of at the cusp now where it's like, you know, how much of my time, how much of, of me emotionally can I invest into this? Um, and I, you know, throughout this process, I realized like, I'm doing this for myself, right? I'm not doing this to land a huge hit on the radio. I know that's not going to happen. It's fine. I've you know made peace with that a long time ago. Yeah. And um, it doesn't need to in order for you to impact people. Yeah. yeah, totally. It's, it's, you know, you're doing it for you and, and to say that you tried and you did it and you put yourself out there. Um, but I think it's the thing that keeps me up is like, how much of this do I keep a hobby and how much do I try to, tr to make it something more? Yeah. That's an important conversation to have with yourself. Um, and you won't have the answers right away, but yeah, I definitely get that. Uh, well, on the flip side, uh, what puts you to sleep? Oh gosh. Um, I'm one of those people that like plays rain sounds at night. <laughs> <laughs> like thunderstorms and stuff yeah no I, I love a good storm at night there was a you know it was a little windy last night hey there was a little there was some rain sounds in the air last night yeah i decided to go for a late night drive last night uh and drove through the rain and and pulled my windows down and uh there's just something cathartic about like milwaukee at night in the rain uh that never never really gets old i love that salad good good shit and uh yeah thanks again for being on the show uh great to actually meet you and get to chat um for everyone watching uh i'll be tagging Oliver Lowe so you can check out his uh music we've got uh city without lights uh all i've ever known 21 days uh out streaming um but 
he's got a couple more uh, songs in the can. Uh, stay tuned. Uh, thank you for watching, Mr. Nice Guy. As always, we will see you next time. Cheers. Thanks so much. Thank you.